Hello friends of Soul Kitchen, my name is Jasper Mutsaert. I'm an entrepreneur, adventurer, coach and wisdom seeker. With this podcast I thrive to inspire people to live their quest. Soul Kitchen is a place where we gather and share stories that empower us to move through emotional healing and work on our personal growth to contribute to a better world. With Soul Kitchen I'm interviewing people that excite me and once in a while I will also share my own experiences and reflections. Each episode provides you with a recipe so you can live your quest. What is your quest? So welcome friends of the Soul Kitchen. Thank you for listening to this new episode. It will be the first episode with a couple, a multicultural couple from Denmark and Italy and Peru. Casper is a breathwork coach and a designer. Raquel is a movement and meditation coach and also a doula. And um, they're going to move to Peru in the near future. And they're organizing events around the world on a range of uh, topics in the in the movement space. And Casper um, sent me a message that he listened to the podcast. And then uh, we, had a, we had a chat. And then um, he told me about the story that they're going to move to, uh, to Peru. And then I decided to um, invite uh, the two of them to learn more about their journey. Um, yeah, how are you doing today? Good. I'm really good. Good, thanks. It was nice to do a little grounding practice with you before yes. the podcast. That was lovely. Yeah. So we started with a grounding uh, exercise. Can you share a bit more why that's helpful? Yeah, Um yeah, so like we were talking a little bit about this thing about the the state we're in when we do stuff. So for me, that's just really important that before we do anything that's important to us, that we just take a moment to to get ourselves in 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 the right state. You could say. So like yeah. in so in this case, it would be like for me to ground myself, to find a calm, to connect with myself, and and to connect with you guys before we start a a conversation. Yeah. Is that also something you learned uh, uh, as a breathwork facilitator? It's something I've practiced for for many years. And yeah, Tony Robbins, he was also an inspiration, actually, in this. He talks a lot about being in the right state. But definitely, yeah, through, through breathwork. We also did like a small breathing exercise now together. So that's, that's definitely um, something I, I work a lot with, like uh, your your breath is a very good way to influence influence the state you're in so so yeah definitely i agree if i don't do a grounding exercise i can rush into a podcast but it's really important to um to have such an exercise before we start so i wanted to ask you because the soul kitchen is about recipes for life and recipes for the listeners so what recipe are you going to share with the listeners today well, we talked, uh, I mean, we had really beautiful conversations with you before coming today. And um, yeah, I was mentioning that I love to cook and I love to see the ingredients before I I can and I can start a recipe and put everything in the pot and see what works best for me. And then I can just uh, move and personalize the recipe. And in this case, uh, playfulness and curiosity came out of our conversation and um, as fuels for life and uh, and also um, as intention and beautiful keywords for uh, 
for actually living intention intentionally with purpose and uh, authenticity. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you want to add something to that, Casper? Um, I would add that we met through acro yoga, like acrobatic yoga. For those who haven't heard about it, that's uh, how we met in Copenhagen like seven, eight years ago and something we practiced and shared a lot. And that that's definitely very playful. It's all about playing with each other, other people. So uh, so I think it's a, it's, a, it's a key thing in our relationship, in our life that we we play and we express ourselves um, through play and we share play. So playfulness and curiosity are important themes for the for the tool view. Because what makes you curious uh, to go to Peru? <laughs> oh. Yes, we are transitioning into moving our life to Peru with um, very soon in November. So it's um, it's definitely an interesting uh, shift as we go <laughs> from the other from Denmark to the other side of the world. And um, it, yeah, I love um, following the Peruvian Andean tradition. That's something I'm really passionate about. I love that when you do big shifts, big change in your life, you always uh, call for the elements. And playfulness connects with the element of fire. That's something also that I uh, tell a lot to women that are pregnant, that are approaching birth, no? Don't take things too seriously. But also invite fire as a possibility of moving like a flame, no? Bringing that, um, yeah, that intention into into life. So we are definitely calling the fire here <laughs> yeah. that we're moving. Yeah. And what role do the elements play in your life or in your cultural background? Maybe from Peru. Um. Yeah, I mean, bringing um. Connecting with the with the roots, I think, is one of the most uh, important thing in life. I mean, we can choose our um, our ways to create our own identity, to connect with our identity. And for me, my personal path connecting with roots has been uh, the most empowering and powerful journey. So, being in the land where your ancestors, your ancestors are from, it it's a lot of information. It's a lot of information for the future and understanding of who you are. And um, I mean, this is a chapter where it unfolds into this direction for us. As as you said, we are a multicultural family and um, yeah, we will mix more and more. And so that's also interesting how to be able to do this connection to the roots, the more the future goes on. And in what part of Peru will you be living? We're gonna we're gonna be living in uh, Valle Sagrado, the Sacred Valley. So it's close to uh, Cusco, which is the second biggest uh, city in Peru. Mm. Uh, it's in a, it's gonna be in a like not a very small town, but like a town, not a not a big place. Um, pretty much in the countryside, in the mountains, in this uh, in the valley. It's not like a valley in Denmark. It's a little bit bigger. It's like we're talking really big mountains, and and it's like in three kilometers uh, altitude. Why is it a sacred valley? Like, what does that mean? Well, <laughs> Cusco is um, yeah, was one of the city center of the Empire of the Incas, no, the pre-Hispanic um, communities. And um, 
actually Cusco means uh, it's like the belly button in Quechua, which is the indigenous language. So this was like the center of their world, their empire. And uh, from the Cusco area, it unfolds this beautiful valley that is in the middle of the Andes. And uh, that's where all the Inca ruins are. And that's it's a very special place. As you step in, you can feel a different energy. The mountains are really important and they say they speak to you so that's why it's called the sacred valley of the incas i can i can see i read the book the celestine prophecy have you read it yes and then i think they go to uh, peru kind of on a on a mission or on a purpose but do you feel you're on a on a certain mission to to research something or to explore something yes definitely things um came really clearly for us information and also no as we we were talking about flow flow when you're in the flow sometimes you have the opportunity of seeing doors that maybe you didn't see before and that would happen about two years ago then after many many years of um i call it fighting but it was not really fight it's more trying to reclaim my mother's peruvian nationality because she moved to italy during the 80s, and the immigration laws were really strict in Italy back then, she had to renounce to her own Peruvian citizenship to be able to be allowed to stay in Europe. So suddenly, during the pandemic, things were like big reflections, and I asked my mother if we could uh, try to to call some uh, lawyer and see if she could get back her nationality, so that maybe if she wanted to come back, go back to Peru, that could be a, a possibility. And that's how suddenly, suddenly within a year, her, my mom got her nationality back and us kids, her kids, we all got our Peruvian passports. And so a big possibility of like, okay, maybe we can go and live in Peru. And from then meeting people that were really calling, calling me into collaborations and beautiful, yeah, interesting learnings like indigenous people that are activists in the areas and um, birth workers. That's how I felt like, oh, suddenly <laughs> this is a call, this is our direction that is clear. Yeah, so you feel called, uh, called to go there. And in terms of uh, uh, work or like uh, making money, so to say, like, will you work online or do you plan to have local activities there? Yeah, both actually. So we, we both do coaching online. I, I do my... Uh, breath coaching with clients so i intend on continuing that i also work with companies so doing programs and uh, workshops and so on also online that has worked pretty well so i'm, I'm going to continue that and yeah you, and your coaching also will yeah continue. coaching online with the uh, many had european clients that of course can work online um yeah in the secret valley there is internet <laughs> it's pretty fast actually so that's a definitely a possibility and also we have been collaborating with local communities movement communities we've been organizing for five years um a movement festival and um, now that we are there we would like to feel that a little bit more it's called aire movement festival so yeah also local events so the movement festival you've organized it together right yes can you tell more about the mission of the organization and what it entails? Yeah, so, I mean, first first of all, we always collaborate. So we love collaborating. It's not just us. So in Peru, we had like a little team. So some really, really dear friends of us, they, are, they were part of organizing it. So we were, we were five people in the first edition of AIRE Festival. 
We also had we also organized festivals in Italy, Acroyoga festivals, also with the really dear friends. So we always make sure like we have someone on the ground, someone we really care about, and some some somebody we really connect well with. And yeah, the the mission, I would say, for example, with um, yeah, with I think with all of the the things we've done, it's always to um, like to share from the heart, and to connect like genuinely through play. That's that's how I would describe it. That's really what we try. Like the festival in uh, in Peru, this uh, Aire festival is uh, was free to participate in. So so for us, we. It was really important that it's rooted in 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 the you know in the local community. So we wanted local families and everybody to join, even though like economic possibility in Denmark versus Peru is different. So so we we made it free so everyone could could participate. And I mean that 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 was so touching also to see uh, movement teachers like really really high level movement teachers from all over Peru and from Chile even traveling up to be in this festival for free and and share these uh, like their amazing skills and see local families coming with their kids uh, on the beach uh, in 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 northern Peru that was uh, fantastic so so these uh, you know just just to make that happen it's like creating spaces we talk a lot about creating spaces i think that's what we're we're quite good at like we also sometimes say magical spaces whatever that means but like you know create spaces where magic can happen maybe other people will create that magic but we like to try and facilitate that so creating magical spaces and connecting through the heart through play that's beautiful and is that something that is currently lacking in the world <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> Can we share more I think uh, we live in a world where, unfortunately, there is a lot of separation. And uh, that's also we could actually see in movement communities. Um, for example, Peru and Italy, they have different type of um, movement communities, but many of them wouldn't communicate, wouldn't meet each other and wouldn't um, just uh, connect, but also experiment with this, that knowledge and that wisdom that all carried. So... And something that we really found interesting is this um, community and feeling of stepping into another dimension that was possible in these events. And uh, and people carry this very special memory in their heart and in their body, you know, because the body feels so much in these moments. Um, and this is something that I think is so powerful. In We forget so much in the routine, in this just like same day, just this hamster wheel, I know it's, it's a horrible expression, but it's actually true that we can, we are all one. I mean, it's like a big thing, no? It's like, but, but we can really remember the union that, um, that make us flow like human beings, that we can experiment, we can connect with each other, we can create really wonderful thing when we collaborate and we put aside the ego for like a common mission that we all just want to be together and play and uh, and connect with our body, and I think magic happens into into these spaces. Yeah, so we live in a world of separations, and your events contribute to this feeling of oneness and and, and connection. I'm curious because you're both active in the fields of movement, meditation, breathwork. How and when and why did you enter this space? <clears throat> 
Well, um, well, there is the personal level, and then is then there is the sharing level, which also you know you could say it turns professional. But for me, I, I entered the space uh, like more than twenty years ago because um, like things that things that happen in my life, and then I, I just stumble upon these tools and I tried them, and they had such a profound effect on me that it just stuck with me for the rest of my life. And um, and then slowly, slowly, actually, when I met uh, Raquel, that was that was for me when I, for example, um, I took up teaching acro yoga slowly I've, and i noticed that okay wow we can actually share something i can share something movement wise that people really resonate with and you can see it made people really happy we did then uh, yoga teacher training together in india which was also like an incredible and very beautiful adventure so again like diving into uh, sharing practices so that that built even more on that also that's that's also the breathwork part for me came in like really yeah 20 years ago when I tried these things for the first time and I've been using it gradually more and more and then through the yoga teacher training even more and then uh, new trainings recently like where I really just went fully into it so that that's been I would say the the journey for me and what was the trigger point in your life because you say things that happened in your life but what triggered it <clears throat> Yeah, so uh, when I was 21, I'm not sure exactly why, but uh, I was lying in bed one night, to be very specific when it happened, um, in uh, in northern Denmark where I was uh, staying while I was studying at university, and I was reading this book, and I don't know really what happened. So in the book, it, it talks about how the way we experience the world is actually an interpretation. Like everything, it's not, it's not like... We all think that what we see and perceive, that's like the real world. So the book was talking about, actually, it's all your interpretation. And then it gave an example that is said like, and there is like a delay on everything because your brain needs to process everything. Your whole system needs to process everything for you to create the impressions. And there's a tiny delay. And that just like, when I read that, something just said click inside of me. And I was like, I, I was so, I don't know. I felt so awake suddenly, like in the, and I couldn't stop reading. So all night I was reading this book. Um, it's not a spiritual book. It's actually like popular science, but it, it awoke something in me. And then, you know, then from that, from then on, something changed inside of me. And I just started noticing everything like uh, in a, in a different way, very different way. Like I really, I was standing in queue in the supermarket and I was like, yeah, it can actually be beautiful to stand in a line in a supermarket. Like this is, uh, look at all these uh, like uh, visual inputs and like how is, I mean, this is like my interpretation and I can actually choose how I interpret this. I can hate it or I can love it or it's my choice. And, you know, every day I started realizing all new things like, oh my goodness, like it's all an interpretation and and there's a voice inside my head. Those are my thoughts and I don't have to listen to them. That's incredible. So that's like, Boom, like an explosion of like realizations and yeah. Because you, me you mentioned uh, something awoke in you and, and sometimes people talk about an awakening process. How has that process been for you or how would you describe an awakening process? For me, that that was actually like very much like I said now, it, it's like um, being very much um, stuck 
in like cultural expectations and thoughts and like uh in a box you could also say and then suddenly you you kind of open your eyes and you you just feel the world around you and like wow and it's it is just an interpretation and i do have some control or influence over how i feel and 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 there is a voice in my head and i don't have to listen to it that all those things i think for me that was the process it was like the feeling of suddenly noticing something i never noticed before it's almost like what i noticed before was like 1% and now i i was starting to see the 99% which is way bigger and you know connected i was connected to everybody else and i see so you also started questioning certain things that maybe you believed before definitely yeah everything i started everything i was like okay it's all an interpretation okay let's just look at what i'm doing let's look at what other people are doing you know when they say this like mm, i'm going to i'm i'm going to now look at it in the light of you know i wonder if they're stuck in some preconceived uh, cultural thing that they have learned and now they're just playing out a pattern and i wonder if what if they stepped away from it what if they just opened up you know how could we then interact so you know things change when you start to to open up to that dimension i see so how has that been for you uh, raquel how did you enter the movement and meditation space um well definitely movement the journey started when i was uh, very little I, i i studied dance since i was very small since i was three years old So I was always connected to my body and the possibilities of my body. That was such an amazing journey for me. And um, then life brought me to work as a paint restorer. So I was a lot into the mind and the technique. So I needed to balance it with, um, with, with my body. And I remember um, painting ceilings and uh, Uh, domes and chapels and feeling my back and saying like okay I need to do something about it and uh, I started to join yoga classes and then slowly my my dance uh, story background and journey started to to melt and mix with um, with uh, with yoga and that was the moment that I found a different way to perceive the body and and to be in the body so also this connection this this role of the mind while the the body moves i found that really interesting the awakening moment i i would say that the wisdom um the the very deep wisdom came basically with pregnancy um if you want to call it like this uh, spiritual epiphany and moments where you can see things slowly removing the veil no in many spiritual traditions there is a veil that covers our our wisdom so definitely pregnancy has been the turning point where i felt things had a different perception in my life mm. is that also why we choose to become a doula because the pregnancy was so profound for you I always I was always passionate about pregnancy and postpartum um and uh, before that I studied as a prenatal and postnatal yoga teacher so I always had this curiosity but especially the moment of uh, postpartum that was the moment that I I thought okay there is some wisdom out there that need to be investigated and uh, embodied and uh, 
And yeah, the world needs to know more about what's postpartum and cyclical living. So I also, in that period, I discovered that actually my grand, my Peruvian grandfather used to be working, as, was was a birth keeper and uh, a traditional midwife in the in the central region of the Andes of Peru, and he kind of kept it secret and hidden from the rest of the family because it's very, it's not so usual that a man works with birth. So um, I found that really curious and very inspiring, and uh, I could see some of that wisdom just uh, flowing in my in my blood, and uh, and I could see the possibilities of me learning more about this. So what are things related to pregnancy or uh, how kind of how the body works uh, that more people should be aware of in, in Western culture? Oh, many, but I would start with two. I think these are the main. Um, the connection to the earth. The earth in the sense of um, seasons. All of us live in season, like the seasonal living is so important. And um, not only for understanding our inner energy and also how we can express our inner energy into the, the, the physical world in the modern society, but uh, but also how can we use that in the most more efficient way so that we can actually be better beings in our everyday life. And then um, something that really, wow, I thought was really amazing to study is um, yeah, cyclical awareness in women as a woman. So um, fertility awareness and uh, tracking menstruation cycle, how that can be so, so powerful to, to know more about the bodies and not only as a woman, but also for men to know more about their partners. And um, I think uh, that's something that it's, uh, of course is the time and, the development of things um, have a big impact in the Andean traditions and Andean societies. So some of these wisdom and tradition are like fading, but um, maybe about 60 years ago, women in villages in the area of the central Andes used to ret retreat during periods. So there were menstruation retreats. The whole village and the men would agree to let women retreat so they could gather for four days retreat themselves, meditate, do in ceremonial space to gather energy. Women would come back into the fields more energized, more inspired, and they would have more ideas and um, they would share with the village. And in some small villages, this still happens. And uh, I think uh, this was one of the most uh, interesting and inspiring studies in my past three years. And uh, I think, uh, of course, it's really hard if you work in office to retreat for four days and turn off your phone and say, OK, I'm off work. I'm not going to come. Just, But I think there are some ways that we can use to small little shifts that we can implement in our lives to regenerate, to be slow and um, yeah, and to be better beings, more connected, more also efficient. This is a really modern word. <laughs> That's that's beautiful. Yeah, for me, recently I started paying more attention to the body and paying more attention like what I what I put in. Um, I recently removed uh, alcohol, coffee from my diet, and also some 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 sugars. Uh, but it's interesting how long you can kind of live without paying attention to the body, right? It's uh, in a way it's weird. Yeah, 
that's um yeah yeah i think uh, there are many things that we have normalized through the centuries and um yeah in, it's it's sometimes really hard to to see what's something where are we blocking our connection to our bodies and sometimes we keep nourishing them without thinking that it, what, what's normal what where is what what's normal for us and sometimes because we live in modern society and we live in this culture that sometimes goes too fast mm. and we don't have the time to think about what's right or wrong for us mm. and what give us energy and what takes energy away from us. And uh, we just normalize, we, yeah, we have normalized so many things. So I wonder, of course, little by little, what are the things now that are really important for us and, but also questioning, I think, critical inner critic can be like the shift for so many things yeah because if you um if we go back to the recipe that you mentioned about playfulness and curiosity can you share some recommendations for how you implement this in how people can implement this in the daily life yeah um i mean there, there are many many small and and big things i was just uh, i was just uh, like when you were talking about these things one of one of the first things that really comes up to me um that's a really important concept for me is sensitivity and i think also play has a lot to do with sensitivity and because we live in a, a society that is kind of fast and that is that dulls out a lot of you know if we feel pain we immediately want to suppress it you know with pills or alcohol or netflix or whatever you know we 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 don't want to feel anything anymore. So I think that's a key to also to be playful and curious. We we have to uh, to find a way to sensitize ourselves again and to notice. Um, and a, and a more concrete thing, just like a concrete tip that you could say. Um, I've I've traveled a lot in my life, and even like in my twenties, um, when I was traveling to the U.S., I remember like I always go to stuff in a city like i went to new york or san francisco i always go to the buildings and i touch them it's really important to me i also go running in the city because it like it puts me in that's that's my curiosity i'm like touching i'm 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 using some other senses and when i'm running i'm not doing like everyone else they're walking around or driving but i'm running so i'm i'm, I'm shifting my perspective a little bit so, so that that's a concrete tip. If you go traveling into a new city, don't just use your eyes, but touch and smell things like that. That's how, you know, that things become richer and more playful. So, what like, does like, it do for you? What does it do for you when you touch a building? I feel I feel much more connected. Like before, it could be like I'm watching a movie. You know, I could just be sitting at home watching another Netflix movie about New York. I know it's, of course, it's different to be there. But then when I start to touch the bricks, for me, that really works. Like my sense of touch is really, it's a strong thing. And smell, like I can smell the bricks of the Empire State Building. That's like, wow. And then I'm, the next thing that comes to me is like, oh my goodness, there are like millions of bricks. And there's a human being who put every single one of these. That's like insane. That's, you know, then... Because I because I start with a little spark of a connection, it it leads to more new things and new um, curious insights. Mm. 
So next to seeing, you can also smell and and and, and touch a place to to be more aligned with it or more in flow. I never thought about that uh, actually. I mean, I remember I was in New York in um, Central Park. I was walking around very slowly, and then suddenly you feel the city in a different way because New York is, of course, so busy. But then you suddenly slow down, and I was like meditating in Central Park, and then you experience like this this, this peace. Uh, but I've never touched a building. So how is that for you, uh, Raquel? Like, what do you do to implement playfulness and curiosity in your life? Um, so something that uh, you said about touching the the buildings, I think it just reminded me something about when I used to be a paint restorer. Before starting a project, I would touch the canvas or um, the the artwork to feel that intention of the artist. And that's something that I think it's, it's, it brings up really connected to the sensitivity and the intention. What is, why, why this person took so much time to paint this amazing artwork. Um, and about playfulness, um, just do something that is, the, something that it's, that other people don't do. So we have this really fun project that uh, started uh, five years ago. And it's a Christmas, Acro Yoga Christmas calendar. It's 25 days. Uh, it's like an advent calendar of Acro Yoga uh, poses or, or little flows. And we took a, used to pick, take a picture and uh, share a video on social media. We just started because we felt so sad and down when winter started. We, are, we love the sun, we love the summer. And uh, we just needed to do something that brought us out of our out of our homes and also made us do something a bit silly. So an acro yoga pose in the middle of the square of Milano, or in uh, close to the pyramids of um, <laughs> of uh, Mexico, or uh, asking the mamitas knitting crochet uh, outside Oaxaca City if uh, we could take an acro yoga picture while our hands standing on Casper's feet and crocheting at the same time. We had so much fun because we were involving people around and asking them to do something really silly. And uh, so bringing that quality in everyday life, sometimes do something. If you go sometimes in the metro and you see everybody looking gray on their phones, just uh, bring in that quality and do something different that others don't do. Sometimes it just wakes you up and wakes other people up and inspire that we don't all need to act. We don't all need to conform. We don't do the same things. And sometimes bringing something that is unexpected, that's the best recipe also to create special memories that we will never forget. Mm. So you, when you do something unexpected, you can also inspire others that conformity is not always uh, the norm. I think these are beautiful, um, beautiful recipes. And um, uh, someone that listens might wonder that all sounds inspiring but how do i uh, pay the bills right that's sometimes that that people also, also question so how can you elaborate a bit how that works for you yeah definitely so uh, and that's always a really good question i think there are many ways of doing it the way the way we're doing it now is 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 a balance and a mix between having having for example my design work is mm -hmm. pretty well paid so i I get a good income for that, from that for for our family. So we mix it with that. I also I also love that work, 
but I, I guess I'm kind of transitioning into um, to working more with people through the breath coaching and all of our projects because I really, really love that and it's really close to my heart. So, so we do a mix of part-time work that creates more income and then we do our projects. They're also creating income so for us, it's like, I think it's different for everybody. It depends on your your skills, what you come with. Like we are two, so we combine what we are best at and we try to find a a good a good balance. Like yeah. if we only work for money, if I only work for money, my soul will <laughs> will turn dry as a raisin and I will be gray on the inside like ashes, you know. And But if I only do um, acro yoga workshops, my... Bank uh, guy, he's gonna call me again and again. I'm super angry and why I'm not paying rent. You know that's not good either. I read uh, in a book of Tim Ferriss, uh, tribe of mentors. He interviewed many mentors and wrote the book. I read that someone said if you have to live from creative work or work that you really love, you put a lot of pressure on it. Mm. So it can also be beneficial to do separate work that is maybe unrelated to your creativity. But is that also kind of your philosophy, Casper, or is it more out of a necessity uh, that you keep the design work? No, it is exactly what you say. That's exactly the point that I, I believe that, like I said, there are different ways. Some people are like jumping off the bridge and they just have to survive. And for me, that doesn't work great because that would put a lot of pressure. For example, also when we do these movement festivals, if we have like a goal that we we have to earn 20,000 euros, otherwise it's a disaster. <laughs> that would take the focus so much away from the real purpose of this, which is to create a connection and unity and sharing. Because my mind would be so much on the money and I would see like, oh man, we need to have five more participants. Otherwise, we're not going to reach the 20,000 euros. So I'm going to go crazy on advertising. I'm going to call everybody. And it's going to be fake because I forgot my real mission. And now I just want the money. So every time I, I, I call someone and say, hey, do you want to come to the festival? I, you know, I'm no longer aligned with, with what, what we started this for. Yeah. Just to make an example, it's not a real world example. But, yeah. but that I see. If you, if you need the money too much, then the, the intention of the project uh, changes, right? <clears throat> yeah, I think, I think there is a real danger of that um like going to the background i mean i'm not perfect maybe if i was perfect i could separate things uh, perfectly and i could live without any anxiety and always just meditate it away but if i you know i'm i'm a human being and uh, i i will mix things up i need to keep them a little bit separate sometimes yeah. keep things keep things clear i see i see yeah no, that makes a lot of uh, sense. I think if you put a lot of pressure on one activity, then the, the joy, the playfulness can uh, can decrease. Yeah. So one of the things I'm curious about, you have a multicultural family because you're from Denmark and you're from Italy and Peru. So it's actually three cultures are blended. What are the pros and cons of being a multicultural There was just a, there was a little uh, dropout. Uh, okay, we can we can cut it out, so that's no problem. So you, you just uh, you you were saying the sentence. What are yeah. the pros and cons? And then yeah. it, it was we in the middle. Well, um, 
Yeah, so what are the what do you experience as the pros and cons of being a multicultural uh, family? And in your case, it's not even two cultures, but it's three cultures. Um, yeah, first of all, there are a couple of practical things that it's uh, it's more important to take into consideration, which is, for example, we speak actively four languages in our family. So um, that's uh, that's really interesting because sometimes when we have uh, dinners with family or friends, people, they're shocked and they come out like with headaches and wow, there was so many languages. So that's something that, yeah, we just didn't think about. So we um, we just uh, started to speak our native languages with our daughter. So that's something that uh, sometimes it needs a little bit like logistic and practical adjustments when there are people from other cultures and countries. And in terms of um, culture, oh, that's definitely an interesting one. I think um, we have learned to create bridges and uh, like connect a lot with intuitions and see and sensitivity to, to see where, um, in our case, um, where there is a different cultural difference or where there is a character or a personality. Uh, trade. So I think we became expert about it for us three. So when to understand, oh, that's okay, I can see this is whole culture because ah, when she's in Italy, she acts this way, she does this, she says this. So it's, it's just a really interesting, um, subtle, um, yeah, traits that we, we de definitely developed in, uh, in our families. And I know many multicultural families. And, the, and then the challenge also is that we want to keep these three cultures alive. So um, apart from just living everyday life, it's also doing personal res researches and seeing what we want to implement in our um, in our family tradition. So, um, for example, we celebrate Christmas as more like a Danish um, tra tradition. And uh, and and that's something that is fixed. Okay, we know that we decided to do that, and uh, and then other things maybe in a Peruvian way. Food is usually Italian, so it's just like we don't just do what our parents used to do. It's more like okay, we need to create a whole new way. We almost sit down and we decide what what do we want to carry on, what do we want to implement in our daily life. Um, yeah, it's challenging, but it's also inspiring because it makes us, it gave us the possibility to connect with three different cultures, so different types, also countries and and people. So that's really beautiful. I can uh, imagine. Yeah, it's it's very special that you speak four languages in a family. It gives an advantage also to to a child in terms of like being a global citizen. <laughs> How is it for you, Casper? Um, yeah, I mean, of, of course, I, I recognize a lot of what uh, Raquel is saying, and um, I think uh, for me, it was um, meeting a different culture, like uh, and and connecting with Raquel. That that was not random for sure. That was something that was meant to be for me, and uh, I think you for us now, the way we live everyday life, there are definitely there's there's always challenges. And the, the first thing that came up to me was that, you know, we, we we are creating our own culture somehow because we are mixing things. And then there are also, you know, 
always things that we we just can't change them. This is our culture. Like we are different in some ways. We're really different uh, on some in some aspects. And also, you just have to to know that acceptance, continuous acceptance, is so important. You know, always accepting that. Oh yeah, okay. Like Elsie does that different, and I do this different. And always, every day, try to return to we accept each other, and we actually love each other for being different. And also, it's, it's kind of paradoxical that sometimes it's annoying that ah we're so different on this, and then it's like yeah okay well that's also why you know that it's not why I love her, but it's things I really love about again because we we complement each other on those things. So acceptance is important. And can you give one example uh, in which you differ of a hmm. project? That uh, has to do, that you feel has to do with a cultural background, so not necessarily personality background, but a cultural background. Oh yeah, that's uh, very simple. Um, so classical daily thing is that I would like to eat at six thirty, and in like we do in Denmark or six, and in, in Italy I don't know they eat at like eleven in the evening or something. <laughs> at least I feel it. And you know we we just never ever got to agree on that. So it's like if I can cook. And she mostly cooks. Then we eat later. And if I cook, we eat earlier. So our daughter, she's like, I don't know. We just adjust, you know. There's no fixed time for that kind of stuff. We don't meet in the middle. It's just whenever one cooks, then then you eat. Yeah, maybe we're trying to meet in the middle a little bit, I think. But, you know, not not really. Uh, I see. If I ever would have children, I think that would be my approach. I don't like this this rigid (laughs) rhythm, you know. Like at seven, Mm. they need to eat. Or at eight, they need to eat. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would well, be very how we do it. <laughs> very tiring. Uh, and um, in terms of uh, your child, um, uh, like where where will your child belong, or where will your where will your child feel home, or what's your intention for this? Mm, that's a, a beautiful question. Um, yeah. Through the years of my life, I and. I'm a bicultural um, child, and uh, I, I, I thought, I always thought growing up in Italy that I had to, to belong to the Italian culture uniquely, and I was really trying hard to fit in fully, and then um, ending up introducing myself, and people would be like, wait, but you don't look fully Italian, where are you from, actually? So having this question, like, every time I introduce myself, I understood that bicultural kids and uh, multicultural kids don't fully need to uh, belong to one culture, one uh, one country. But um, I think there are stages in life where you feel more like um, maybe at some point, like I think now she feels more Danish because she's playing in Danish and she develops certain skills they're really important for her right now in Danish. And then insert other things, um, maybe around cooking or around, around like gathering family and friends that are more like Italian, South American. So she just, I can see her way of behaving changes a lot when she's in that. So I know that probably she will change that. She will have like chapters in her life where she feels more like from that culture and it fits more her needs. And she wants to go deeper into that culture. And maybe as we are also going now into Peru, she probably starts speaking more Spanish than Italian. So 
I don't know how that would be exactly for her, but I kind of predict it would be something similar that usually happens to multicultural kids having chapters in life. Mm, so having different chapters, so probably will feel at home in multiple places. Mm. And Casper, uh, you want to add something? Yeah, yeah, I think actually that was a, that's a really important uh, keyword for us, for my life and also for our family life, chapters. So that that's something I've done, you know, for my life that I, I lived it in chapters, and I love doing that. I I see myself my my life as a book with chapters, and it's kind of fun because we went to this um, Claire clairvoyant, is mm-hmm. that right? And honestly, I I'm a little bit skeptical with stuff like that. Um, not really sure if that's true or not, but uh, we we both did it separately. And it was it was interesting because I really loved the session. It was really insightful for me. And one of the things she said was, um, you know, without knowing anything about me, she said this thing that, yeah, I see this um, living on this island, Bonhan, where we're living. I can see it like as it's like a chapter closing, and uh, I see it like, but it's still there. She said it's like a it's like a, it's like a book that you close and put on the shelf. It d- doesn't disappear. And now I see something new opening and it looks colorful. It's like a colorful book opening. And it was just like, yes, that's exactly what it is. We're moving to Peru. And and for me, that's just, uh, that's how I want to live my life in chapters. I had so many chapters. I used to, I had a chapter where I danced Lindy Hop for four years and I loved it. Then I've had a long chapter now with uh, Acre Yoga. We had a chapter living on an island here. Now we're going to have a chapter in Peru. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I would like to add. That's beautiful. I, I, that um, resonates with me. I really believe in, in in chapters and that you can reinvent yourself. I just read a book of um, Carlos Castaneda and one of his raising um, mm. personal history. Mm. So you can always change your history or change your identity and, and start a new chapter. Because yes. the risk if you're too attached to identity that you always feel that you have to continue that identity, right? Instead of uh, starting a new chapter. So that's that's wonderful. I have a question around uh, shamanism because when I think of the sacred valley of Peru, a lot of people go there for plant medicine and, and ayahuasca and these types of uh, traditions. So to what extent does, do, do you have experience in this field? Yeah, I guess I guess ironically, it's mostly me. I've I have um, participated in two ayahuasca ceremonies and um, also like psilocybin mushroom, not like really ceremonial, but I've had experiences with that. So um, yeah, I've had some experience, like a literal practical experience, and and yet I think it's a it's a Raquel that's much more connected to those traditions. So that's kind of ironic. Mm. Yeah, um, the decision of uh, moving to the Sacred Valley also came out of um, a need of uh, researching and investigating exactly around this. Um, two, three years ago, I met a wonderful woman. She's a Peruvian anthropologist and um, specialized in uh, women's traditions and uh, birth keeping. And um, she has been doing an amazing work about 30 years living in the communities and uh, in local communities and learning from uh, traditional midwives and to carry on the transition. 
and uh, I studied with her and I learned more and more. And of course, uh, these uh, big questions came to me like, okay, so this valley carries so much wisdom, but also attracts any kind of uh, things. For example, we talked about ayahuasca ceremonies, right? Ayahuasca, ayahuasca is a medicinal plant and it comes from the jungle. So it's not traditionally from the sacred valley from the Andes. It doesn't even grow there. But um, it's interesting how it's, uh, the sacred valley is so known for this because, of course, the spiritual tourism has developed uh, so much in the past 30 years. So the question also like, wow, uh, why is this happening here? Apart from being a very powerful spiritual place. And um, so that's definitely an interesting question. The Peru is known so much for um, shamanism. And yet um, there are so many things that have been uh, somehow taken from their original place and uh, yeah, reshaped also in a more Western way so that it can attract more tourists. And of course, it goes also into the more spiritual commercialism, which is something I'm super interested about. Um, it's a very interesting <laughs> and controversial topic. And how mm. do you feel, do you see it as a positive development that more and more Westerners are visiting Peru for these blood medicine ceremonies? Oh yes, definitely. Especially at the beginning, at the the first part of the valley in the area of Pisac, um, it's it's very known for just basically you can join a ceremonial, um, yeah, um, gathering almost every day you can almost join as it was like a yoga class you can just like drop in and go so i mean of course there are people that work with the intentional and authenticity and uh, really genuine people connected to their spiritual practice but um i can i have witnessed also uh an increase of um yeah commercialism around this and very little information about what actually is traditionally wise uh, a medicinal ceremony. So, yeah, it's um, it's it's a little bit sad in one side because I'm also a granddaughter of a a fantastic herbalist and a traditional healer. So, seeing people wearing a traditional Peruvian hat, a poncho, and call themselves shamans and going to Europe and starting their own business around uh, medicinal traditions and uh, without having even gone through half of the half of the journey that traditionally you should do. It's a little bit sad, but um, that's also the reality of what's happening. Yeah, so people jump too fast in the role of, uh, of host or of, of shaman. Yes, consider even that the word shaman doesn't really exist in Peru. <laughs> so how, how is it called in Peru? Curandero, Paco, healer. Ah, curandero, Paco, healer. And who <laughs> who ends up being a healer? Is it like the, the chairman of the village appointing the next healer or, or people just uh, apply or how, how does that work? There are many ways. Um, usually, it's, yes, almost like you, as you do an internship, if you want to become a doctor and it takes some years, um, that's something similar. So you join um, a healer that you, that, 
chose you and you and it's the same with the traditional midwifery for example you can start about eight years old nine years old so you start joining the birth and you help with the practical things you learn about the herbs and so on it takes many many years and then uh, maybe the healer of the village dies or becomes too old and cannot continue the tradition and then you step in or following the, some of the depending from region to region but some of the most known um, legend and also story how to become a, a spiritual healer there are some people that they need to retreat themselves in the mountain and spend about four days up to two weeks and uh, they need to learn how to like a vision quest no they need to go out in nature and find the food and learn how to be with themselves and the nature and um, there is uh, this story where if a person survives um, a lightning during a big storm and uh, some people say they have survived it and uh, having this lightning coming into their body they, that's the, the biggest call traditional wise you can have to become uh, a healer so um, there are many levels and also but I find it <laughs> so interesting and do you want to become a curandero or paco? Or no no, something that uh, is something that you cannot uh, join an online course for. Or it's something <laughs> life uh, makes you. I don't know. I think something that life and uh, yeah, circumstances bring you towards it. For sure, there's no no real online shaman become a shaman course. <laughs> I actually googled. I googled at some point shamanistic course, and I found one in Hawaii. A shamanistic course in Hawaii. I don't know wow. if it's a proper one, but I uh, I found that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've covered um, we've covered many uh, many topics. Um, if you look back at the journey that you've made since entering the movement, meditation, and breathwork space, first as a student, later also as a practitioner or teacher or facilitator, like what has been your main takeaway looking back? Mm, is to always always look for the playfulness, the curiosity, because it will bring you into contact with life and yourself and and others. And and also that, I mean, I know. Yeah, I think it's the easiest. Just basically looking at a child and remembering how to be in the world, I think is the most inspiring thing. So when uh, when our daughter came um, into our lives, connecting with the quality of how she sees the world, I think is the most powerful thing. So playfulness, curiosity, and authenticity, where the ego doesn't really exist there yet. And I think, yeah, that's the most beautiful thing you can do in any practice you do actually in your everyday life mm, thank you for sharing that uh, that wisdom i think that's very uh, very powerful and maybe as the last question is there are there some final words that you want to share with the listener it's mm, a good question yeah i was thinking i would like to I would like to share something that I've been reflecting a lot in the past um, year 
And um, our life has been, uh, in the past years, uh, somehow been trying to fit in the society, in the Nordic countries, and try to fit how can we build our lifestyle, how can we actually be recognized, how can we do this, achieve that. And then suddenly we're like, okay, we drop it, we, we don't fit, we have to change strategy, mm. we just going to move to Peru, it fits us much better. So, and then yeah. this this thought came to me, and and, and I said... I think a week ago, actually, we're not really supposed to conform. But but the thing we all need as humans is to belong. And, the, and in everything we do, the, 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 we're, we're community beings. And we always want to be part of something. We want to belong. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. And, and I think admitting this in our personal lives has been the most awakening experience, like, it's okay. We have, we are, we are closing the chapter of living here on this Nordic island, and uh, we are taking the next, uh, the next leap, and the next change. So, sometimes recognizing this pattern in our life can be the most powerful, most empowering act and act of love for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Rec- recognizing that you don't always have to uh, conform and stepping into your own curiosity. And for you, Casper? Yeah, I mean, uh, take a, a light breath with a long, relaxed exhale before you do anything of importance, before you make any big decisions. That's a good little practical tip from me. <laughs> yeah, taking a big breath now. Thank you very much for your time. I truly enjoyed our conversation. And uh, wish you a wonderful time in uh, Peru. And uh, maybe maybe us. I also want to go to the Amazon, so you never know. uh, Yeah, things go. (laughs) You're welcome to visit. You know, we we love visits always. (laughs) 